Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How is everyone? I hope you said you were fine. I'm fine. Uh, I got this big thing in front of my face because I was caught, I was, I was getting a lot of swishy from the air conditioner. So I decided to use this and I noticed my S's were more pronounced too. So I decided to see how this worked and I was getting drowned out by the AC. So that's why it's there. Anyway, welcome to California Hunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour or so. We got a great show tonight. I know a lot of you eat dinner during in this hour. <laughs> so, uh. We're not going to try to get too graphic, but uh, just 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 bear in mind it could get graphic at times, okay? But we're not only talking about bodies; we're going to be talking about the soul. What happens after you die, right? That's what the show's about, ghosties. Anyway, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are forty-five strong up and down the state, which means if you have, a, if you think you have a ghost problem. Get a hold of us because we're near in every county, right? But if we're not, we're two, three, two or three counties away, so we can get to you right away. That's the cool thing about it. If you're watching from YouTube, please uh, subscribe. There's a little guy down in the bottom right-hand corner with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. That's our ma- that's our <laughs> that's gonna be one of those nice. Bleh, bleh. That's our mascot, and uh, that'll get you access to over 250 videos. Of varying topics okay i think there's something there for everybody if you're watching from facebook please follow and if you're watching from twitch please follow and if any of my tiktok people are over here find me somewhere and follow me or follow me on tiktok even better right anyhow my guest tonight i want to cut to the chase right away as you guys know or many of you know my background is in journalism i was a crime beat reporter for five years, five and a half years. And <laughs> I worked in an area that got the nickname of Blood Alley on the freeway. Okay, I'm not going to say where it is, but uh, there were regularly fatal accidents. And you know, I was surprised because it was a smaller community too, and there were a lot of things going on. A lot of, I'm not going to say a lot of murders, but there, there were enough murders to, to keep your attention. You know, gang stuff going on and stuff. So I had, because it was a small paper, I had access that a lot of papers don't get to where I, I would see the bodies. You know, I would see them and, and get, be, you know, be able to be right there on scene. So I've seen quite a bit over the years. One of the ones, you know, like I've seen them in bed. I've seen them on the floor. I've seen them in different places. And the thing is, is it's, it's never a pleasant experience. TV does not, you know, clarify. I think the closest that... TV ever that any kind of movie ever got was um, Silence of the Lambs, when she has to go in there and, and see the body that's pulled out of the river, you know, and they, 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 put, they put Vicks under the nose and all that. But I think the one out of everything I've seen, because I, like I said, I've seen a lot of gruesome things over the years. I think the one that shook me up was I was on my way home from work, and the call came in that they had found a car in the river, 
And the reason why they found the car is because it was a dry year like it is this year. And the tide got low. And they and somebody spotted the spotted the roof of the car. Turns out the person in the car was somebody that had disappeared like a year and a half ago, New Year's Eve. So he'd been in there quite a while. And so they had to, I don't know if they, I don't know if it was a convertible. Probably not a convertible, but maybe not, you know. But somehow they got the roof off the car, and I'm standing there, and they got the big lights out. The police are around the corner comes, and I'm, I'm shooting pictures. And I'm, you know, and I'm walking down closer. No, nobody's really stopping me. They're just small town, right? Anyway, I got only so close, and so, you know, I was still a distance away, but I'm shooting away because the front seat was all muddy. And the deputy coroner comes, <laughs> comes and they start messing with something in the front seat. And I'm watching them through my, my telephoto lens. And all of a sudden, I see them turn something to the left towards, towards me, or to the right towards me, this like this. And it dawned on me it was this person's it was this person's head. He was still strapped in the car. And it just totally blew me away because when the mouth opened, this crawfish came out. You know, you don't see that every day. And when I interviewed the highway patrol, after seeing that, when I interviewed, I gotta raise this up. When I interviewed the highway patrol after I saw that. The crawfish, he told me the crawfish were like in his rib cage, you know, and you can see him. Just crazy stuff like that. Now that's the one I think that bothered me the most was just seeing that vision of this crawfish come out of this guy, what used to be this guy's face, you know. But anyway, yeah, we're gonna warn you it's graphic, kind of sort of kind of graphic. I want to bring Don on because we're not only gonna be talking about this sort of thing, you know, what the job of a deputy coroner is. We're going to be talking about things that happened after work. Okay? I mean, you see that show, what is it? Go. What is it? Paranormal 911? Yeah, that's the one. Paranormal 911. About the police officers, you know, and, and stuff following them home, and the paramedics, and, and all that, you know, that have stuff following them home. Well, you're going to hear a few stories about that tonight. So my guest tonight, Donna Frankart, she's been on the show before. In fact, she's been on the show when I first kind of started the show. When she first wrote her book, she was on. And we're bringing her back because she has some real fascinating stories to tell. And she's working on a second book. And I think she's also done a couple paranormal TV shows, if I'm not mistaken. She can correct me. But uh, I think it's going to be an interesting night. And again, I know some of you are eating dinner right now. So <laughs> good luck with that. But no, I'm kidding. But um. Yeah, so let's get started. Okay. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So tell everybody about you and your background, because you have a unique background. You weren't only a deputy coroner. You had other stuff going on. Yes, I'm a former deputy coroner. I was in that position for just under nine years. And what a deputy coroner does is uh, when there is a, an unexpected or unwitnessed death, the uh, coroner or the deputy coroner is paged out. Now, the difference between a coroner and a deputy coroner is a coroner is an elected official and a deputy coroner is hired and sworn in. So we would be paged to the scene. It would be considered a crime scene. 
until the investigation was completed. So we would be paged out for uh, homicide, suicide, car fatality, drowning, uh, suicide, uh, fire, overdose, but also uh, people that would go to the hospital and, and pass away or expire under 24 hours and hospice. And so we would be paged to the scene. We would do the investigation, uh, examine the body, well, pronounce the time of death, examine the body, draw fluids for toxicology, which would be either blood, urine, or vitreous, and vitreous is from the eye. And we would determine whether we were going to order an autopsy or not. Now, at the crime scene, the body is under the possession of the coroner. It's the coroner's responsibility. And the crime scene would be under control of the police. And so in unison, we would all work together to rule out that there was any foul play. So in a situation like, like taking the fluids and stuff from a body, when somebody is decomposed, I mean, really, de I'm talking really decomposed, say they've been, you know, in, in a house for like a week, two weeks, three weeks. How do, I mean, it, it must be, well, I guess, does that get contaminated? Because, I mean, you've got all kinds of little creatures in there and, you know, ugh. Well, if it's been a, it, it depends on the type of case, what the circumstances are. And there were many cases that I would not on the scene draw fluids for tox, but would order an autopsy. And then the body would be sent to uh, the morgue for autopsy. The pathologist would then do his examination, which would be the internal, the, the post where he would examine the, the organs, the skin. And if it was, if, uh, there were really no fluids to be drawn. There's also skin samples. There's, uh, you know, dental, dental x-rays. So, yes, but okay, for me. Yeah. Well, what sorry? Was sorry to interrupt You know, I'm so used to talking to Donna on Facebook. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I gotta remember that we're in an interview setting here. Um, for somebody that has dental, uh, that, uh, that you try to do the dental on, if, if they don't, if you can't figure out who the dentist is, that kind of throws that out, right? If you can't figure out who the dentist is? Yeah, because the, how do you find the records for somebody that, that for the, that's unknown as far as the dental records go? Well, see, now you're asking, I'm sorry, I honestly, I, that wasn't my expertise. Okay. That's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool, that's cool. no problem. Um. You seem like a nice lady. Thank you. How did you even dream of becoming a deputy coroner? Well, you know, and I thought about that, and I've been asked that many times by people, why did you ever get into that field? Uh, because I was never, in, uh, through all the years of growing up as an adult, I was never into or interested in being around death. I was actually quite afraid of death. And any death that I'd ever been around was usually of a friend who uh, was either in a car, a fatality, was a car fatality, or I did have an uncle that was uh, murdered. And so we did have that tragedy in our family. Well, fast forward to, um, I won't give my age, <laughs> but... I was going through a divorce and my sons were younger at the time. We had two sons. And so they'd be with their dad every, every other weekend. And I wanted to do something that would be constructive on the weekends that they weren't going to be home. Mm -hmm. 
And so I had a little bit of a medical background. I'd worked with a couple of nephrologists in the prior to um, which nephrologists will work on their, their expertise is kidneys, you know, diabetes. And so I was a medical assistant for a couple of nephrologists. And I'd also worked up at a hospital on the neurosurgical floor as a clinical tech. So I was always interested in the med medical field. I, but my main career was in the travel profession. So anyhow, I was going through the divorce and I'd heard about this team. It was called the Victim Crisis Response Team. And it was all on a volunteer basis. And it would be if you were available, you get a pager. And you, if you could answer a page would range from anything from a domestic abuse, a domestic type of case to death. Mm -hmm. And so many times that I was on a case where there was a death involved, I would be asked if I could help with the removal of the body. And although I was afraid to be near it, I was, I was also intrigued because the forensic end of it, it was just so fascinating to watch uh, the process of the investigation. And of course, then my empathetic nature, uh, my compassion, I just seeing people in their grieving and in just such trauma of losing a loved one, I, my heart went out to them. And so I, and I'm jumping here, but I had heard about the victim crisis response team. And so I applied for the position and then I was, <clears throat> excuse me, interviewed by a panel of police officers and I was offered the position. Again, it was a volunteer. So I worked with five police departments in the area. And so I'd go out on pages and that's where I'd be asked then to help with removal of bodies or it might be just sitting with a family, helping them to look up phone numbers, calling funeral homes, handing out teddy bears to the children. And through those cases, I'd gotten to know uh, a couple of coroners. And one, one in particular had seen how I was with families and had complimented me on that. And we just started talking and I'd said to him that I'd be very interested in a position with him if he was ever looking for a deputy. However, I didn't have the background. But about a year later, he had called me and said that he was considering hiring on. And if I would follow him on all of his cases, and he was going to see how I could handle it. And then he was just kind of um, not training me, but testing me to see how I would be. And that was a about another nine months. And at that point, then he did offer me the position I was sworn in. So then I had something that I felt was taking me off of the fact that my life was going into a, a different direction, mm -hmm. my path. And I was focusing not on myself, but on others and helping them in any way that I could. How hard is it? I mean, did, did, did you have to contact the families at all? Or was that given to somebody else? Uh, depending on the cases, there were many cases that I had to do the notification of to the family of their loved one um, dying at the hands of another or uh, in a tragic way. It was very difficult. There were also many cases that the police would do the notification because I'd be busy with the investigation and the body. But yes, I did. I always wondered how that worked. I was I, I was pretty good friends with the uh, coroner in Yellow County, you know, and I used to do stories on on their building all the time. And um, I got to get used to this thing being here. It's the second day I'm using it. 
Now, yesterday, you guys are fortunate because yesterday I, I, t- I taped a show to be aired Monday. And I didn't know the computer was unplugged. <laughs> so I was sitting here and all of a sudden things are going down. And I can't, I can't and I don't know why. And I didn't hear I'm taping. And then it dawned on me I had to plug the bloody computer in. So you guys are lucky it's all plugged in. Anything that can go wrong with live stuff. But anyway, um, you know, what you did for a living it intrigues me because, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just something people don't do. It's like those people that do the death scene cleanup. You know, mm-hmm. the ones that go in and do that cleanup. I mean, that takes a lot, too, to go in and do that. And, I, you know, I've been on those scenes, and, wow, you know, you guys have, a, have to have a strong stomach. And I also know that corners also have an offbeat sense of humor, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to, but I, not while you were working the investigation, I was always very, and I, not that I'm not saying that you were going in that direction, but we're always very respectful and very compassionate and the decedent never lost the dignity that they deserved. But you're right. There are some very extremely gruesome, gruesome scenes that we would be involved in. And it's different when you're watching it up on a screen or on a, you know, in a movie when you're hands deep in blood and you know body parts and um, deaths surrounded by death, it's a whole different level. Yeah. Now I told everybody, I think my most memorable gruesome thing. Do you have one? Several. <laughs> yes. They stick with you. They stick with you for a long time when you see that stuff. A long yeah. time. What's your most memorable, you think? What's the interesting. List? It's interesting that you that you ask that. I've had people many times ask me what the most gruesome is, and another friend who's a coroner, and and she her response uh, I thought was perfect. She'd said, uh, you know, I appreciate you asking me what one of my toughest cases was, but honestly. It's very difficult for us to have to relive that in our minds because you're bringing that all back and it was hard dealing with it. But um, without going too much into detail, let me think. Um, I did have a case that involved, oh, there's so many, which one? Um, Involved a, a child an infant and it was on mother's day that i had to work this not had to work but i was working this investigation of a death of a of an infant and it's in the book i wrote in the book um it was very emotional because as it said it was mother's day and i ended up holding that little infant and and rocking the baby and singing to the baby uh, because it was just, you know, my instinct to do that. It was, and that's not so much on the gore end, but it's yeah. the emotions of the, uh, of a young child losing his life. I can understand that. I mean, there's a lot of times when I was out in the field and they sent me out to a car that crashed or an airplane that crashed or something like that. And, yeah. you know, you stand there until the coroner gets there. Sometimes, you know, if the reporters are there first. And sometimes you're you're just staring eye to eye with whoever's in the car, you know, and that's it, 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 these are huge imprint on you. Yes, I 
It, it, it does every single one. It's like it chisels at your heart. And especially at, at the end of working a, a shift or a day and the cases that you'd be on, you're playing all of these scenes through your head again. And it's like, oh my God, I've got to push this out because it's, I, I'm never going to sleep again. It's uh, going to just eat away at me. But yes, I had many suicides um, where uh, with high powered rifles and you can use your imagination on, you know, the visuals of how that was. And the thing is, for someone who uh, ends their life in, in that way and with a rifle or whatever high-powered weapon, it's all over. And so, of course, it, the coroner wants to pick up all, it, hopefully all of the remains, parts of the remains of the decedent because you know, it's part of the body and it has to go. So, um, yes, that's very difficult. And a lot of what people don't realize, too, is that um, although the coroner is picking up all the pieces and doing this, they don't do the cleanup. So you no. either have to hire somebody to come out and do that for you or it's stuck, or the family is stuck having to do that cleanup, you know, mm -hmm. you know knowing what that spot was and who was there and all that. So it, 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 it just compounds the whole situation compounds now um your job didn't end there kind of okay because after a while you started to notice weird things at home right oh yes things started happening let's, let's hear about when all that started and how, how that started rolling well actually it started on the job as well okay let's hear that <laughs> Um, well, well, let's see, let me think. Um, yeah, that's your corn, guys. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> I was on a case, I was on a case, it was a, a, a person who was in uh, their 30s, but they'd had health issues. They, they died at home, so we were paged out, and um, I'll try to condense the story. Uh, there was myself and then about five or six officers and uh, I did my ex examination, you know, well, pronounced the time of death, did the examination. And then we were looking, trying to find next of kin. And we found uh, next of kin, called that person, happened to be an ex-spouse who said, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there is probably an altar there. So that uh, decedent was, was, um, into the, I think it's Wiccan, Wiccan. And um, I hadn't really seen the altar, but so anyhow, I was going to draw uh, blood for toxicology and I was bent down and over the body and I was just about to insert the needle and my pager went off. Now that just happened to happen, that just happened at that time, but it, it you know, I jumped and all the officers laughed a little bit and I got up and answered my page. It was another death. And so then I went back to the body and I said, now, please don't let me fall forwards if I get another page. So I bent over. I was just about to insert the needle again. And there was a phone on the wall, one of those old rotary phones. And it started ringing. It was like a very loud volume. And the lieutenant was standing by the phone and uh, he picked up the phone. He's like, hello, hello, hello. And there was no one there. 
So we all just kind of looked at each other. He put the phone back on the wall. Now they're still chuckling a little bit. And I'd said, I wouldn't be laughing. He's watching us. And uh, they probably looked at me like, yeah, she's a little, you know, <laughs> goofy. So then I bent over again to insert the needle just about going in. And the phone started ringing again. Looked at each other. He picked up the phone. Hello, hello, hello. Nobody there. So it happened again. At that point, then, everybody was a little bit uh, uneasy, and we all stepped away from the body. They went out on the patio for a couple sec, you know, like a minute, came back in, uh, drew the fluids, and then um, we were writing out our reports, and one of the officers said, did you notice there were there's coins by his head? Did you notice those before? And we all said, no. Well, coins were appearing at his head, and I believe that he was there and he was watching, and he didn't like the fact that some of them. And I'm not trying. I don't. I don't mean to be saying anything negative or that the officers were laughing at the decedent. They were just uncomfortable with the situation. So it was little things like that. But I did have many, um, many souls that would follow me home. I was told a lot of them did not cross over the threshold, but then many of them did. And so then things were happening at home as well. And my sons were also witnessing many things that were happening at home, like um, uh, orbs, or there was a, an, a mean old man that appeared, well, to, in front of me a couple of times. And then one of my sons, well, I hadn't told him that I'd seen this man that was very angry and he being a teenager at the time and he's running up the stairs and he hadn't turned the lights on and I guess he saw this face up at the top of the stairs and I guess what he did was he punched out at it and it, and it disappeared because that was his reaction right? right a teenage boy and um and then he came down and he told me what had happened and then I had to tell him well now this might be one that I you know, that I did see a couple of times before, but that's how it started. It was faces appearing, orbs, pictures tipping over, doors slamming. Now, when you were when you were a kid, you know, we're all born psychic. You know, we both, we're all, we're all born with these abilities. Did you see things when you were a kid? When I was a kid? Not that I was aware of. No, and no, and, and no, <laughs> not that I was aware of. And I was afraid of ghosts and spooky movies. The last, the last horror film, and really the only one that I watched was The Exorcist. And we know how old that is. And we know how scary that was too. You know, that was out of all the horror movies that I've seen, that's the one. When I was that started my whole I can't sleep with the light off thing. Oh, yes, that's all I needed. I don't watch any of those. I no. Mm -mm. I was raised Catholic, even though I didn't go to church regularly, but it was enough to, you know, to know that, you know, the Catholic church was involved in all that. It was like, yeah, okay, I'm good. But look what I'm doing. You know? Yes. And... I became a ghost hunter like an idiot. No, I mean, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you have a lot of activity that's going on always. I, do. I always, always, always. My and... animal sense it more than I do now. And, and you helped me last fall. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I've yeah. used your, your meditation. You had taught me like doing a little meditation. And I'd had, as you know, I had the fingerprints on my face, which happened again about a month ago. 
uh, it was tough last October and November around the when the 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 veil is thin. Yes. October. So you started having things happening, and did it shock you at first? Did you realize? Because obviously you realized what it was, and what was going on. So I mean, well, I could see why though, because you're the last person they're technically in contact with before they they leave their bodies, or they, you know they might still just barely be in there, and, you know. So how, how did you deal with it at first? What was your reaction? My reaction at first was, wow, what, what did I just see? <laughs> you know, and then I, I thought to myself, well, I suppose it has to be expected because I'm around so much death. And then I had and have some friends that connect with spirit and are mediums. And I... Well, actually, I went into a little shop because I wanted to get some books on um, spirits and the paranormal to try to understand what was happening. And the owner of the store, who was a psychic and medium, had just come out of a reading with someone and then saw me. I was by the books. I had a jacket on, so he couldn't see that I had my coroner shirt on, uh, you know, with the, um, the county on there. And he saw me and he did a double take and he must have said, excuse me. And he came right over to me and he said, you have so many around you. <laughs> and I went, really? Well, I ended up going in and uh, setting up an appointment with him and talking with him a little bit. And, and he said to me that I was like a beacon of light. And it made sense because of being in the death industry and being a deputy coroner. I was compassionate, I uh, was very respectful to the decedent, that many of them, when they die unexpectedly, them as in people die unexpectedly, they're not ready to die, they're, or young people, they don't understand what's happened, they don't realize they're dead, they don't know what to do or where to go. Mm -hmm. And so that's how some of them would follow me home because they don't realize that they're dead, as strange as that sounds, but that's how it was explained to me. I've had a couple of them that I was told by a couple of different mediums that they've been following me and attached to me for a long time because they were lonely, lonely, and they felt comforted being around me. So uh, I tried to learn as much as I could, talk to mediums, try to not be too fearful. And I just thought, oh, it's part of the job. So I just have to accept it. But as the years went on, I became more and more aware of just how, and I was raised Catholic, born and raised, uh, raised Catholic, where it's, you know, you're a good Catholic, and then it's, you know, a good person, and it's heaven or hell or limbo. Mm -hmm. But I can't deny, and I don't like to get into religion because I'm, I am both religious and spiritual. I can't deny that there's so much more after death because our energy and our souls continue on. It's just, I, I've witnessed way too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the same, I'm not going to say issue, gift that I have in that I have been told I have a beacon. They like my energy. People have told me, psychics that have been out with me that, that go out to cemeteries with me tell me that there's always a conga line behind me. Oh. Literally, you know, at the, at the, at the cemetery, <laughs> you know, they're following me around. And that's why I have the issues I have here, because it's not only my immediate family, which I can tell is the difference of, you know, who's here and who's not. But 
they will they will come and uh i've just learned to deal with it you know my whole attitude is you know you know i'm here you know i'm here you know that i know you that you're here just don't scare me well and i'm my second book i'm writing all about all of these paranormal experiences or i tell you about one of them which is one of my favorite ones but i'm thinking back to what you said because you had helped me again last fall in telling them to you had to set boundaries because i didn't realize i thought if spirits were around they just showed up and then they were gone but apparently they're around a lot right Mm -hmm. and they're like everywhere you go so I, i have now set boundaries but there's they still come to my bedroom a lot I have done the sea salt in the corners. I've got the holy water. I've, uh, I have all my crystals. I actually, the last time I had the marks on my face, which was, I think about a month ago, I, the next day I ran out and I got some tourmaline, Uh which is right to protect, Uh uh, or protect you from the dark and evil entities. I'll do whatever I need to do just to feel protected. But I also did, like you said, you go to a cemetery and you have a conga line. Now I used to go into the cemetery because it was so peaceful and it was a nice place to walk. And then I was told, oh no, you don't want to go into cemeteries. You don't want to go to antique shops, <laughs> you know, all these places that I loved. So now when I go past cemeteries and I know if anybody was watching me, they'd think, wow, she's, you know, but I'll, I'll do the sign of the cross and I'll say, please rest in peace with all respect. Do not attach to me. Don't follow me home. Don't, don't come go with me. The car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have had that happen. I believe that. <laughs> We're driving to an investigation up, to, up, up in the gold country and I had a psychic, one of our psychics was in the backseat of the car. And I'm driving along and listen, I hear her go, and and what year did you die? And I thought, oh my God, there's someone in the car. This one went all the way up to the investigation, all the way back. When we got back to the cemetery, he got out. He, he would do this regularly is what he told her. <laughs> really? He like having chats with people. Yeah. I, I have a friend who also, many friends that connect with spirit. And she said there was, uh, wherever she was driving, she knew exactly when the spirit hopped into her car. And she got home and she realized this spirit had followed her and she turned around and she went back to wherever this, the spirit had hopped in. And she said, you need to get out. (laughs) Hopefully he did. But, and I, I've learned also so many things to, and I will continue to be very respectful of spirit world and, um, you know, honor them and not, like some people joke about it, they look for, they try to draw it in and they stir it up. And it's not any, I've found, I'm not an expert, but I don't encourage messing around with the paranormal unless you know what you're doing. Because you can physically get very sick and it affects you. It does, it does. So when things started happening, because I know you're writing your other book. We don't want to give a bunch of crap away. But when things started happening to you, did, did once you like acknowledged that it was happening, did it start to increase? Yes. It seemed like the more that I wrote in writing yeah. my book, 
the, and the more I talked about it, like interviews, I had a lot of interviews that I was doing uh, in this last year. And the more I talked about it, the more active it became. The more active it became, the more I, I, it scared me. The more afraid I was, the more they fed on that. And then I knew I had to get control and not show fear because it got to a point where it's like, am I going crazy? Is this really happening? But here's the thing. I have friends. I have one in particular recently that was here. He's out of town and he stayed here because he had an appointment in this area. He's up in Minneapolis. And we don't talk about my book, the spirits, you know, and I can respect that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, every time he's been here, it picks up like door will slam. Uh, something was poking him in the arm. He actually, uh, I thought he was going to run out the door. He, uh, a bottle tipped over. It was a bottle, full bottle of water and it was on the floor and it just tipped over. All of these things are happening. So he, I said to him, I'm really sorry. I understand if you never set foot in this, in this house again, I get that. But if you're going to be around me, I'm, uh, you're going to have to accept that that's my world. That's my path now. And that's just uh, the way it is. But I did go out and buy him some crystals. So if he ever comes back into town, I'll, you know, he'll have those crystals. Uh, this stuff, like you say, you, you asked people you were working with or, or mentioned it to people you were working with, what was going on. As it kept progressing, did, did you talk to anybody else at work about it? Did I talk to, well, um, I also worked at a funeral home for a couple of years while I was a deputy. So I got out of the travel business and I was working in a funeral home during the week and then I was a deputy coroner on the weekend. And of course, uh, with the funeral directors, I talked with the funeral directors um, just amongst us, you know, and of course my sons, because it was happening, it was just part of life. I mean, it was just part of what was in our lives. Um, outside of, not really, because unless they were in the death industry or had experience or, or they were mediums, I didn't talk about it because I don't think people want to talk about it because first off many people fear death it's taboo uh if you say that you're seeing spirits they're going to think you're either you know nuts or uh you're imagining things but i what i find is interesting in this last year since the book uh was published mm -hmm. my book is pub was published in all of these interviews it was amazing how many people i mean it brings people together that uh because we're all going to die at some point and i don't fear death anymore but i think that people and maybe they have been all along and it's just i'm i'm noticing now because it's in my world but people seem to be more open about it i don't know if maybe some let's say um in the death industry don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be perceived as not being a solid stable person but then there are others that have come forward since I've had this book out that have said, oh, yes, we, you know, I have this happen all the time. And a forensic technician out of Great Britain had reached out to me and said, oh, yeah, we have things flying off the shelves in the morgue all the time. A coroner from a southern state was telling me her husband's a police officer and they have uh, footsteps. They hear footsteps every night 
of the spirit that comes down the the wooden they have wooden hallways or the wooden floor and her husband has to have a fan blowing because he doesn't he doesn't like hearing the sound of the footsteps but the spirit comes down the hallway every night and then sits on their bed and the bed goes down <laughs> so more and more people i hopefully are talking about it they're not afraid to speak up and afraid to admit yes i'm not admit but i mean to share with others that there there is more there's energy and it's uh it's all around us it's vibration and energy well you know and i think too the paranormal you know the good paranormal tv shows and i'm not going to get into that but you know there's the others but they did bring that forth because you know like when i started doing this that's what it was nobody wanted to admit they had activity you know and those were able to get people to people to admit but i think what's really helped it is these shows like paranormal 911 haunted hospitals because those are people such as yourselves, police officers, fire, you know, firemen, we're talking nurses and doctors yeah. that are coming out admitting that they're seeing stuff. And that makes it a lot more credible. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, you mentioned um, police officers, nurses. I had, back when I was working uh, as a deputy coroner, yes, I did talk to many nurses mm -hmm. that were also witnessing things at the hospital when mm -hmm. someone would pass away. I have a friend that was, uh, she was working cardiac in ER and now she's a veterinarian, but she said that she would see many that were patients that were just close to the end of life. And the guardian angels would, there would be, she said three on each side of the, the body, the, the patient, and then the matriarch at, at the head. And mm -hmm. I absolutely believe in guardian angels and spirit guides, and I talk to them all the time, and I think that they've helped me many times. Sometimes what you think is your gut instinct is actually your your guides and your guardians that are watching out for you. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's fascinating, and especially, like I said, when you hear it from a police officer or a fireman, you know, because, I mean, they're, they're trained to observe. You're trained to observe. Yeah. You know? Newspaper reporter trained to observe. Um, <laughs> toot my own horn, but um, that's that, that's when it, that's when it really really hits home, and I think maybe that's why people are becoming more and more open because of these police officers and stuff are seeing this stuff. You know, there, 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 in people's minds, there might be something to it. You know, and I also think COVID, with everybody being locked up in their houses, I think they started to notice a lot more. Yes, going on in their houses, where with the, during their busy lives, they just tuned everything out you know and they were really getting, getting the kids off the school or whatever and they didn't have time to be at home and really notice the house and i think that a lot of that came up during covid because of that you know people started seeing more stuff i agree home. yep yeah um so you had this stuff following you home and i mean you talk we, we talk about the angry old man or the, you know, the angry man did you have, other than him, were a lot of them aggressive or were they just confused or, or, or what do you think was going on with them? Most of them um, would appear in front of me and I would see the actual face and they just had like, you know, like they'd be staring at me, no expression. I'd be staring back because I'm ready to have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. uh, but really the, that, that man was the only one that had the real angry look, but usually they have like, it's just a real, there's no expression. They're just staring at me 
or I've, I was so excited, uh, which sounds odd, but I was so excited about two months ago, I actually in, in my, um, home in the bedroom, I saw the swirl. Have you ever seen the swirl? It's like a fog. It's not a fog. It's like a swirl of smoke, but it's not smoke. And the top was going, it was like a little twister it was in slow motion going like that. And then the bottom was going the opposite direction. It was about the color of uh, like ashes, cremains. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, it was amazing. I just sat there watching it and then it was gone. And I grabbed my phone because I thought, hey, I wonder if it's still in the room. Nobody's ever going to believe me. I don't have cameras set up because... I don't want to see more than what I'm already seeing because otherwise I'll, you know, I'll be afraid of, I won't be able to live here. But um, I took my phone and I just started videotaping and it was, the room was dark and I started videotaping and then I played for like a minute and a half or two and then I played it back and it's dark and I'm thinking, Ugh, I'll, you know, I'll just look at it tomorrow. Well, the next day when I thought about it, oh, I should see if I can see anything. And I replayed it and I'd actually caught an orb that when it's enlarged, you see two faces. Wow. And I did post those on TikTok. I'm on, I've become uh, yeah, very busy on TikTok. <laughs> Mother has a cool TikTok, I'll tell you. I'm sorry, what's that? You have the coolest TikTok. I do. Oh, thank you. Crazy Deputy Corner. Yeah, de <laughs> crazy de Deputy Donna Crazy Corner. Yeah, Deputy Donna Crazy Corner. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't post all the time because I'm not one to make stories up. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to share, and I don't share everything because a lot of it's going to be in the book. But mm -hmm. um, I only share what has truly happened and what I've witnessed. So I want to stay authentic. I think your TikTok's really cool. Thank you. You get sometimes. creepy sometimes. You you can be, you have the capability of being creepy, and it's fun. But you know what, Charlotte? The I I know one of them that you're talking about, <laughs> and that was back when I actually had, uh, I had to go. That was when I had the marks on my face, and I ended up going to um, a Reiki healer to get my chakras aligned. Mm -hmm. And I had attachments. I had two attachments. And if you if you've seen the one video, and I I I point out where my eyes kind of they're dark and they kind of flip back for a second. Yeah. I just and this is, sounds really creepy, but I don't know if something had followed me home and hopped in, but then I got rid of it with with the um, help from the Reiki healer and medium. It's scary. Yeah, I always wonder about like like cases like you and me because i wonder if, if they talk to each other and say hey here's a person over here that 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 doesn't mind us being around them let's go visit them <laughs> that's a good question who how do they are there actually so many around that well we're the beacon of light right so they right, see right, that right. light and they're attracted to it i went in to get when i went in to get this this tourmaline uh after the marks Mm -hmm. And the uh, one of the owners, the wife said, oh, well, you're just like a little, what did she say, a wire of energy zapping. She said, I see that zapping. And I just said, really? <laughs> okay. 
where's that tourmaline? <laughs> I, had, I could put it on my neck. Load it on. And um, and it was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna. I, I was gonna hop back to the marks on my face. Yes. They were again same as last fall when I we were talking. Um, they were there for the day and then they were gone and I didn't feel anything. But and you said if they wanted to hurt you, they would hurt you. They're just trying to get your attention. Mm -hmm. But I don't like that they touch. Right. That they touch you. Right. You right. know. Yeah. But that's their way to draw your energy because they're looking for that energy because they don't feel that anymore. I believe that because the day, the day that I realized I had the marks on my face, I slept almost all day on and off. It was, I felt like I was a hundred years old. I was exhausted and that's so not me. So mm -hmm. something, something. Yeah. It was something. Yeah. Because if we're on, on an investigation, the rule is that they can touch my, they, they can touch my pinky. Your pinky? The tip of my pinky. That's what they can touch. And Do you feel it. them? Yes. But I don't you, want them to suck my energy out either. So that's yeah. my rule of thumb is you can touch my pinky for a couple se for a couple seconds here and then back off. So maybe that's what I need to say is uh, you can touch my pinky. Just for a couple seconds. You can feel my yeah. energy. But, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna suck me dry. I've and, had times, even doing this, I've had times where I've I call it getting goosed by a ghost. You know, I, I'll be doing something and I'll feel my stomach flip. Really? And I know I've been, um, they've gone through me or whatever, you know, and then I'm down for two, three days afterwards. I, as a matter of fact, my pouch with all, it goes everywhere I go. Uh, my crystals, let me get those out here. Oh, I have, I have a rosary. That's yeah. for my Catholic religious part. And then I have all kinds of like rose quartz and clear quartz. And um, I'm drawing a total blank. Uh, sir, I was going to say selenite. Selenite. Yep. And what's the green? May, um, starts with an M. Malachite. Okay. Malachite. Oh, and I have the third eye bead. So, yeah, I... I Whatever it takes, I'm gonna have it. <laughs> and again, I'm—I I'm mean, I have a medicine bag I take around my neck when I do investigations. Oh, I, I made my own medicine bag. Yes, I—you have to because you have so much activity. I have no desire to go on any paranormal haunts. You have enough paranormal haunts at your house. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! I no, yeah, no, thank you. And I, I do have people that have, uh, that do do the investigations that have wanted to come here and check things out, but I haven't, uh, I haven't agreed to it yet because I don't want anything stirred up. And they say, right. well, we're not, if, if we stir anything up, we're going to get rid of it. But it's like, you might forget one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know because sometimes. Even when we go out, sometimes you know the stuff might slow down for a while, but after we go out, it it, it might pick up, and we we tell people that. Yeah, you know, we no. might have got rid of stuff or calmed it down, but it still might pick up, and you might have dreams or whatever afterwards or things flying around your house. Who knows? But yeah, it's, it's smart of you. It's smart of you, especially Thank with you. you because you're sensitive, and Very. that's the issue is that you know you 
you have to control that yourself. You have to, like, like, like we talked about, you know, and so they can do, you know, parent groups can do whatever they want, you know, but it's not going to, it's not going to end the project. It's not going to end it. Yes. Because but, they're going to be coming to you no matter what. It's just you. What, and what I find is interesting now, I, I was, I didn't work for a couple of years mm -hmm. uh, through the, you know, the COVID right. and I just went back into got back into the travel business about three months ago and I've been pretty mentally exhausted. They've been long days. And so I'm sleeping more soundly. I'm still waking up in the middle of the night, like usually around three, right? But um, activity has slowed down unless I'm just so tired, I'm not noticing other than when my friend came in from Minneapolis. <laughs> oh, that was something. Well, the more you practice that stuff, like the meditation and the stuff that you have, the more power you're going to have over whatever's trying to get into your house or, or come to you. So it's working. You just got to keep working at it. It's, it's always going to be something that you have to do maintenance on. That's what I yeah. think a lot of people forget. Paranormal team come out, they clear the house and they say, you know, or, or they bless the house or do whatever when they're out there. People have to remember that you have to forever be on guard. You can't let your guard down because they're always going to be coming in. So you, so you have to do that maintenance. Yes. And my, my problem was I didn't, I was confused as to, am I supposed to be like not welcoming? I don't want, I'm not going to draw it in. I'm not looking for it. I'm not trying to conjure it up, right. but you know, I feel like, okay, is this something that I should be doing, helping them to cross over or do I need to be telling them that they need to go? I don't want you coming in. I, you know, you're, I'm being respectful, but keep moving along. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't. You know, I know, I know it's here you have to, to figure out which you want to do. But see, the pro, the issue here, too, is if you become one of those people that can help them cross over and they know it, you think you have a conga line now, you will really have a conga line. Oh, no. No, thank you. Because they're, they're, because they'll line up in the streets. I mean, that happened to me in Plasterville. We were just on an investigation. I had some dowsing rods out. And so I was talking to these guys, you know, well, People think I'm nuts. I was talking to ghosts at the Dallas Cross, and somebody came in and said, you're not going to believe this, but they're lined up all the way down the street. I believe that. Yeah. So, I... yeah, you can end up doing the opposite if you're not careful. So, yeah, you, you, you're better off saying, hey, you know what? You're just going to have to keep moving. Yeah. Come in for a drink of water, but, you know, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> yes. Set I a think... spill. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, too, is I wanted to ask you, is you, you were a deputy coroner for almost nine years. Mm -hmm. Out of the nine years, how many years did, did you have visitors? Uh, about seven. Wow. And now, and now I haven't been a deputy since 2015, so that's another seven years, so about 14 years. Okay, okay. But... The last two years, last year and a half has been extremely active, which unless I'm just becoming more in tune to everything that's becoming more intuitive because the, the more you do it, the more intuitive, you, the more open you get, even with the meditation. That's got to be it. Yeah. Be because I'm not working death investigations anymore but it's like i'm busier than all get out yeah, yeah. i'm being respectful <laughs> yeah that's what it is 
Mm-hmm. It just fascinates me because I, when I go into mortuaries, and it's terrible, like if a family member dies or something, you know, I'll sit there when nobody's around that and ask the mortician flat out and say, well, do you have activity here? This is what I do, you know, and sometimes they're open about it and sometimes they're not because, they, you know, they don't want their mortuaries known for having activity. But I have, right. run into, I have run into cases, even the one my family uses, and I'm not going to say which one, but the, the, the family, because the family always has, you know, every family has a certain mortuary they use. Right. And they had told, uh, one of the older gentlemen, who I don't think is there anymore, um, had told me that they had a motorcycle accident come in. And that gentleman was walking around, you know, the doors would slam and stuff, and they, they, and they could hear him talking to them at the mortuary. Oh, absolutely. When I worked at that funeral home, yeah. uh, there, there was, and, and I would, I was in the office when I was at the funeral home. I was, I was a manager, office manager. Uh, but then because I was a deputy coroner, I would also help with, uh, you know, like carrying the casket. Well, not by myself, obviously, but we'd carry the casket or I'd help with carrying the, um, the decedent out to the, for transport for cremation. Cause there wasn't uh, they didn't have a retort at the home I was at. But anyhow, there were many times that I would open up in the morning and in the winter it would be dark out early in the morning. So it's, it was an old English Tudor home, like a hundred years old. It had been a funeral home for like a hundred years. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of bodies that had gone through there, but I would open up in the morning and you're going into darkness, right? And I'd hear the voices and I'd think, oh, maybe there's a funeral director there that had a, um, a call during the night and was there working. And I'd go to open all the lights and there'd be absolutely no living soul in that building. And it wasn't just me that would hear the voices. Uh, the owner of the funeral home one time I was, I had been in, in the office, in her office, and I was walking back to the front where mine was. And she came flying up behind me all excited. And she had uh, said that there was uh, a spirit walking behind me, a man, and she described what he had on. And then he walked through the building, uh, through the home behind me, and then he took a right and veered into one of the visitation rooms, which I'm wondering if that was where his visitation was or if he was just coming through or what was going on, but a lot of activity. But like you said, a lot of like funeral homes, funeral directors, they don't want to talk about it because they don't want people to be afraid to go to the funeral home or um, you know, avoid that particular home. Now, have yeah. you done any uh, spots on TV shows at all? Have I watched any of any? Have you been on any? Oh, I um, filmed with one that's on the Discover Channel, and I I cannot say yet what it is, okay. but it's very popular. It should be on this year. Uh, there, uh, but I can't say. <laughs> I'm sure, sorry. Sure. I can't. But um, yes, it's uh, it was fun. It was interesting very popular it's a team and i was um i was one of the i don't know what i was called what they called me i was like one of the experts on um on the paranormal what was filming with just just you don't have to tell us who it, what show it was but what was it like work, working with a production team like that it was actually, I had to do it by Zoom, right? Because they're out in LA. And uh, so it was, it was actually 
<laughs> the only thing I think is kind of funny is that I didn't wear glasses. And so when each one would be talking, I, uh, you know, I didn't know which one was actually talking because it was kind of blurry. <laughs> but, uh, but it was fun. It, everything was very smooth and, and they were very kind and funny and interesting. And I didn't, there are other parts to it and other people on that show and I didn't, they must piece it, they put it all together after the fact, right? So I didn't see the others that were also on the show at that time and it all gets put together. I'm anxious to see it. I am too. I'll let you know when I hear when it's going to be aired. I know which one it is too. Okay. Do you? Yeah, I think I know. So uh, <laughs> what's next for you? You're going to write this book? Yes, I'm on my second book. And um, the title is going to be I'm Not Alone because it's more based on the paranormal um, experiences and activities that I've been dealing with. I set it aside for a while because... I had so much going on here. I was told by a medium that uh, I was upsetting some of the spirits because my first book, a couple of the things that I said, I think I was a little bit uh, lighthearted about trying to not be so doom and gloom in my first book. And um, apparently I upset the spirits. So I apologized to them. And I took a little break from writing for a few months because like I said, every time I'd be writing and all these interviews, it was picking up more and more. And so I thought I need, I need a break. I've got to back off, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm starting to write again and hopefully I'll have it out. Well, I don't know when <laughs> I'm going to, hopefully within the next few months. Do it at your own have it. That's cool. You know, nothing wrong with that. I've been working on my book for four years. You've been what? Sorry. I'm halfway, I'm halfway through my book after four years. You know what I mean? Oh, it's been so you have a lot someday i've had a lot on my plate too so you have a lot on your plate but you have a lot that you could write about too yeah yeah, yeah. your you experiences know. because like you i mean technically as, as a reporter you know i had a technical job just like you did and mm -hmm. so going in and from that even though i i grew up you know seeing stuff in an active house i still did i still was running around debunking myself trying to figure out what it was and then going in as a reporter, that's what you do. You know, you're you're trying to be logical with everything. But, uh, you know, and then getting into ghost hunting, and the reason why I did it was because of what, what I grew up with. Yeah. Experiences, you know. And so I still, for like the first probably years, I did it. was still debunking stuff. And I still do that. But, I mean, like you, there's no deny that, denying that there's something after you die. Yeah. It's, that's not the end. So this is where the book is. It's going from from a, a, a like a, a cynical believer to a full a full blood believer. Well, it's the same with me, right? I didn't. Well, I was never uh, interested or wanted to to have any part of ghosts or spirits or anything spooky. And yes, it was like live, die, heaven, hell, limbo. That's mm -hmm. it. But I, my opinion, there is so much more. I don't fear death at all because I, there's so much more. And then I also took care of my mom. She moved in with me the last six months of her life. She was on hospice. And so I 
I witnessed, I was her caregiver and I witnessed her actively dying. And the, she talked to many of the ancestors that had passed away. I could smell the, the peat bog, the, she was from Ireland. So back in the day, many years ago, they would burn the, the, the peat, the bog in the fireplace for heat, but there was this smell and it's one of my favorite childhood smells. And that would come in, fill the room. And it, there's just, they're, they're all around us, mm -hmm. our ancestors, everybody. Sure. And, and I always ask my spirit guides, my guardian angels and my ancestors to help me, help guide me and help me to, you know, do the right thing. And because they're there. Absolutely. Donna, thank you. As usual, talking to you has been fun now. I, I want to talk to you when you get your book going and get and get that stuff going for you. Um, right. I follow you on TikTok. You follow me on TikTok. You know, we're, we're like TikTok ladies. I'm just gonna, I'm just a, I'm just a baby on TikTok right now. Not like Donna. Donna's big time compared to me. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, well, of course, I'm on Facebook and a couple of groups. One is under I've Seen Dead People, Diary of a Deputy Coroner. And that's, uh, I just put down when there's gonna be interviews or what's happening with the book or uh, the book, my first book, I've Seen Dead People, which is available on Amazon. It's also under Tanter Audio. So it's in paperback, hardcover, e-reader, large print, and then I have the audio. Um, and there's also a screenplay, there was a screenplay adaption written for feature film. Um, hopefully for terror, it's under the terror genre. And so I've got that page. And then I also have uh, Delightful Donna Deputy, Delightful Donna Crazy Corner on Facebook. And that's more memes on death and life and spiritual stuff. And then I'm on TikTok and I'm under uh, Deputy Donna Crazy Corner. I have fun on that one. <laughs> it's fun to watch those. Oh, thank you. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, but I hate to admit I haven't been as active on there. And that I'm under um, Deputy Donna. Deputy Donna. All right, cool. Well, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it as I did the first time. There you go. All right. Well, you have a good evening, Donna. And we'll get you back on here, too. I hope so. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Right, Take care. Thanks, right, everyone. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, that was my good friend Donna Franker. Um, it's an education, I'll tell you. You know, and, and having been around the bodies myself as a reporter, you, you, you learn a lot of what you know goes on. But you know, when that stuff follows you home, it, it can get kind of spooky. Tomorrow, uh, Mike Sears is going to be with us, and he um, witnessed some things when his father was passing away, and I was able to get a hold of him and talk to him about that because I, you know, I, I took care of both, both my mom and dad. So he had similar things occur with, with his parent, his father that, that occurred with my parents when, when they had passed away. So we're going to be talking about that. Plus he's also a paranormal investigator like I am. So he's got some stories to tell about UFOs and ghosties and all kinds of stuff. So he's going to be with us tomorrow. Usual time is 6 30 PM. Um, so there you have that for tomorrow. Now, here we go. Here's my usual spiel. If you want to contact the paranormal team, that's CaliforniaHaunts.org, or you can contact us at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, or find me on Facebook. I have a public site for myself. Plus, there's, there's like two or three California Haunts pages there, too. Um, Cal California Haunts Radio is a great way to contact. Okay? 
just drop me a line telling me you, you got some issues going on and we can even help you remotely. So you don't have to be in your, you know, in, in your face. You can be back east somewhere or something. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And again, we're looking for, you know, people for followers and subscribers and all that good stuff. So if you're on YouTube, please, please click the subscribe button on the right-hand corner right there with that little ghost that has the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat. Facebook, please follow. Uh, Twitch, please follow. Uh, if you're over on uh, TikTok, please follow. Follow, follow, follow. And I, I really appreciate you guys coming. I appreciate the support you've given me uh, the last two years doing this format. I really, really do. And you see that thing floating along the bottom. That's because California Haunts does not take any money at all or charge to do investigations. We survive on donations only. And those donations help me buy equipment. Help They help me support this, this show to keep the guests coming on. And uh, I really appreciate, you know, if, if you can find it in your heart to help me keep doing that. PayPal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, you can do Venmo and just type in California Haunts. It's coming up to the first of the month here, and I've got my internet bill to pay and all these other bills to keep the show on the air. So if you can help me out a little bit, that would be great. Anyway, again, I want to thank you guys for coming. And um, I will give you some contact information. You can see uh, Donna's book. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. That's facebook.com forward slash Donna dot Frank Art. And of course, you heard the other sites that she recited. So get her there. And the book is I've Seen Dead People, Diary of a Deputy Coroner by Donna Frank Art. That is a creepy photo. I never noticed it before. Yikes. And the book is available at Amazon if you'd like it. And again, thank everybody for coming. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye.